all of us. Everyone at the state's academic medical center. All working together to deliver complete care now and for generations to come. All over the state, including hospital and clinic locations from the Delta to the Gulf Coast. All for one reason, you. The University of Mississippi Medical Center. All for your health. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Hey, welcome back to Southern Remedy. I'm Dr. Rick. Dr. Rick DeShazo, Professor of Medicine and Pediatrics at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. And I'm here with Jay White, our host and our call uh, reception person. Who is that, Jay, today? That'd be Kevin Farrell. You'll be talking to the famous Kevin Farrell. If you call this number right now for an interview with Karen uh, Farrell, not Karen Farrell, for you know who he is. One eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. That's one eight seven seven MPB ring, and you will have a famous on air personality pick up the phone and tee you up for uh, talking with us on the air. So, any kind of medical question you have, we'd love to give our best shot at answering it. It can be something simple, like you know whatever's wrong with your toenails, or it can be some. Uh, something complex about what you do if you've done this and that and it doesn't work. I wanted to, uh, while I'm waiting on your call, one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. I wanted to talk a little bit about falls because uh, in my clinic in the last several weeks, I have seen a number of people who have come in after having significant falls some of them in casts and walkers and boots, and some of them uh, not there yet, asking me to evaluate whether they, they need those. And the question I try to uh, reorient the patient to is not what to do about the fall, but what to do to prevent another fall. The biggest risk of having a fall, a serious fall, is having had a previous fall. So if you've had a fall or a near fall, uh, this is something that you need to think about, especially if you're older because your bones will be more fragile, if you're on an anticoagulant because you have atrial fibrillation, um, or uh, if uh, you have uh, problems with vision or hearing. Uh, This is Dr. Rick. We're at one 877 or you can send us an email at southernremedy at mpbonline.org. We're waiting for your call. So uh, aging, unfortunately, or fortunately, it's nice to be somebody experiencing aging because it beats the alternative. Um, so, so aging is a time of loss. And uh, when you get to be my age, you just have to realize that's the case. Our vision uh, decreases. Our balance doesn't work as well. We don't hear as well. Our muscles are not as functional as they were early in life. Our feet settle out, and we get uh, flat feet and bunions and all kinds of foot problems. Uh, And our body habitus changes. Our fat distribution changes, and a lot of us end up with big stomachs. And all of that throws your balance off and puts you at risk. Put that into an equation where you have a house full of junk, uh, you have all kinds of cords going in every direction, uh, you wear flip-flops, you get up in the middle of the night because you have prostate problems, and you have to urinate multiple times. It is a setup for a fall. So there are some things that you need to know. Number one, stay away from ladders. If you're older and you uh, look up, you will lose your balance. And that's what happens to people who fall off ladders. They call up, uh, climb up on ladders, even short ones, 
and then look up and they lose their balance and they're not gripped appropriately and they fall and many of them get head injuries and these can be life-threatening um, or and or debilitating, which is actually a worse problem if you're a senior being chronically debilita- uh, debilitated. Uh, make sure you've had your eyes checked, your ears checked. We know that having hearing aids, if you need them, uh, appears to decrease the the uh, frequency of uh, dementia. Uh, and so it's very important to correct your hearing if you have a problem. Uh, when you go in for your regular um, doctor's visit, have that doctor check your muscle strength because if you have quad strength weakness in your thighs, that means that you're at risk for a, um, for a fall and you need to go to fall and balance training by a licensed physical therapist. And many, I send many of our patients there, and I think, I'm thinking about going myself to get fall and balance training because they teach you how to fall without injuring yourself and give you some daily exercises to deal with this. Exercise is very important. And the other thing is we're on so many drugs now, those also affect uh, your ambulation. Sometimes when you stand up real quick, your blood pressure can drop and you get dizzy. And then if you walk too early, you can fall. Lots to talk about in falls. I've got you started. If you want to talk about that topic, uh, give me a call. Otherwise, we're going to go to the email. And we're first going to Rodney in Memphis. Hey, Rodney. Hey. Thanks for your call, man. Yes, sir. What's going on? I love your show. Thank you. I love your show. Thank you very much. Uh, what's your question? Okay. Yes, sir. I've got a question about essential trimmers. Uh-huh. Okay? I've had them for a number of years. I'm 61 years old. They have just gotten worse. And I took some medication that was prescribed to me. I guess it was a beta blocker. Uh, but it just made me so sleepy that I just stopped taking it because I, I just couldn't function. I was wondering, is there anything else out there that does not you know, affect one as far as your um, drowsiness goes and can help stop my hands from shaking. Okay. A very, very good question. And um, you obviously have seen uh, some kind of specialist uh, who uh, has made this diagnosis because one of the first things we want to do is to differentiate essential tremor, which is a tremor in your hands, from Parkinson's disease. And there are certain things that help you do that. The clinical features uh, are, are a bit different. It's a fairly sophisticated exam, but it's a neurological exam. And most primary care folks know how to do this, uh, but Parkinson is always in there. And sometimes uh, people with essential tremor end up having Parkinson's late in time, later in time. So it's important to have this evaluated. The uh, treatment for this uh, is, uh, number one, don't treat it unless you're actually having trouble with holding things, grips, uh, or using your computer or whatever it is, because uh, all of the treatments affect your neurological system because essential tremor uh, is a a series of different syndromes that have to do with abnormal uh, nerve function uh, and the coordination of uh, that with your brain. So so you're going to be getting drugs that affect your neurological system and they all have side effects. So uh, that's the most important thing. Uh, So uh, what we try to do is, uh, first of all, usually uh, this is asymmetrical. And if you're asymmetric in, for instance, if it's primarily your right hand, which is your dominant hand, uh, learning to use your left hand can be uh, a non-medical way to do this and to ha- to handle this without getting on medicines. Um, the The other thing is uh, beta blockers are certainly one uh, 
of the uh, common therapies for this. And the problem is, is that most people who get put on a metoprolol, which is the one that we usually use uh, for this problem, uh, are started on a regular dose. You need to, anytime you're on a beta blocker, you need to start on a low dose and work up because beta blockers make you sleepy, fatigued, and some people, even when you titrate the dose up, uh, cannot uh, take beta blockers. Uh, there are a number of uh, different other options, including Botox, which now is being used a lot because it doesn't have any kind of systemic side effects. Um, and what drug you would take if you take another drug other than a beta blocker would depend on what other medicines that you are on uh, because there are interactions between uh, all of these. So um, what I would recommend is that if you still have that prescription for the beta blocker, uh, if it is in a uh, uh, capsule, you can empty out a half of the dose and, and keep backing it down to see if you can find a dose that will work. You have to be on it three or four days for it to work and uh, titrate the dose up, back up to the dose. You might want to let your doctor know that you're going to do this. If you, uh, or if it's a pill, you can chop it up. Otherwise, you need to call your doctor up and tell him you can't take it, that you need a, you, but you're willing to try a smaller dose and let him give you a smaller one. If that does not work, you need to see a neurologist to get some help about other choices, including Botox. If you have uh, chronic diseases, uh, you're older and you have chronic diseases like diabetes or hypertension or other things, these medications will mess with your other medications. So I would recommend that you see the neurologist first uh, before you see anybody else. So that that's uh, pretty much... Uh, what I, I can tell you over the phone without getting uh, too detailed. And if you will send me an email, I have a patient handout on this particular problem, southernremedy.mpbonline.org, and we will give you some more information about essential tremor. And Rodney, thank you for your call, and we appreciate it. Let's go to Mobile and Michael. We're open for all your calls at one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. I bet things are pretty in Mobile today, Michael. Beautiful, beautiful. Yeah, yeah. This is the time when I guess the azaleas have already pretty much bloomed out, have they? Or well, not yet. Oh, that's great. We still great. have some. We still have some. Oh, wonderful. Uh, my question for you this morning is: Can you tell me how to diagnose and treat gout? Absolutely. So uh, what is gout? <clears throat> gout is a condition where um, you uh, make a lot of uric acid, U-R-I-C, acid, and um, uric acid binds to certain proteins in the blood, and there is uh, a certain level of uric acid uh, where this begins to precipitate in your just like if you took a you know a, a glass of water and you added increasing quantities of anything sugar or whatever uh, you know it absorbs some of it and it goes into solution but when you pass a particular uh, amount then it precipitates you end up starting to get stuff in the bottom of the glass well that's what happens in your joints um, is that you get so much uric acid uh, that you start getting these precipitates, and they precipitate out in your joints. And when they do that, you get inflammation in the joint. The most common joint affected is your big toe. And uh, people who have acute gout in their big toe are said to have what's called podagra, P-O-D-A-G-R-A. You can surprise and fascinate your friends uh, at uh, Scrabble or whatever else 
with knowing what padagra is. So don't forget that term. So uh, that's that's what we first ask when somebody says, "I think I have gout." We ask, "Have you ever? Is your big big toe ever got red hot and tender so bad that you couldn't pull a sheet over it?" But you can have it in other joints. It causes an asymmetrical arthritis, usually involving the large joints. It comes and goes, and depending on how high your uric acid is, uh, it can uh, get worse over time. But the biggie is not just the joints, and it can eat holes in your joints. The biggie is is it can cause uh, kidney stones, and so that's uh, that's it. That's what uh, gout is. It's usually seen in combination with what's called the metabolic syndrome, which is high blood pressure, diabetes, hyperlipidemia, elevated cholesterol. Um, and anytime somebody comes in with gout, we get uh, check them for that problem uh, as a part of it because it's connected and there are metabolic reasons for that. So the way it's diagnosed uh, is by is a clinical diagnosis, and we try to get somebody when they've got a joint that is hot where we we can put a needle in it and suck out some fluids and we put that on a slide and look at it under the microscope and we can actually see those crystals because there's a thing called pseudogout that looks like gout that isn't gout uh, that we want to make sure you don't have because it has a different history and and, uh, prognosis and so forth and so on and it's worth uh, knowing if you have that because the treatment's a little different. The treatment for uh, uh, gout is to get your uric acid level down, and there's a magic number um, somewhere around six, but we argue about that depending on uh, some people lower or higher uh, have symptoms. But for sure, when you get into that range, uh, you really uh, have tend to start having problems. Um, and so... Uh, the drug that is used the most is a drug called allopurinol, allopurinol, and there are other drugs uh, most commonly known by their uh, brand name, Euloric. And what these do is they cut off your production of uric acid um, and take your blood level down to a level such that you don't have symptoms. So uh, uh, that's the treatment for prevention. The treatment for rescue from an acute attack of gout is uh, colchicine, which is uh, also called Colchrist, or steroids and or non-steroidals like naproxen. We most commonly use prednisone or colchicine. And there's a lot of detail about that that I won't go into unless somebody calls up and asks me about how to use it. But basically, my favorite is colchicine. You take one every hour until the attack is gone or you start throwing up uh, because it causes gastrointestinal problems. Some people can't take it at all, and we start them on steroids. The problem is, is that if you've had a gout attack, you need to have your uric acid Lord, where you don't have another one, and there are certain indications where you do it after the first attack or the second attack or whatever, and that's uh, more detail. But most people have to go on allopurinol. That usually lowers it. While you're on the allopurinol, you have to be on the colchicine every day, or you will uh, have an attack of gout as the level drops. It screws up the uh, the balance of uh, there's a product, uh, chemical product, and that product, uh, that's a, an equation, gets goofed up, and uh, you can have an attack just by changing the amount of uric acid in your blood. So after it's stable at a an appropriate level, then uh, there you go. You, you, you stay on that, and uh, that usually fixes it. Is that what you needed to know, Michael? I sort of went off and gave you a lot of loose information. Yeah, that's, that's what did I leave out that you need to know? Thank you. Okay, good. the uh, The most common joint is the great toe. The second most common joint 
is uh, the uh, fifth toe, the little toe. The next most common joint is the plantar surface, uh, in your foot, uh, and then it can. If you have if you have rheumatoid arthritis, and your uric acid gets up, it can settle out in your damaged rheumatoid joints and look like rheumatoid arthritis. Or if you have inflammatory osteoarthritis, which is the one where you have these big knots at the end of your fingers, you can uh, have it present there as awful flares of your uh, osteoarthritis just all of a sudden goes out of control. I had a patient several years ago who had uh, really bad inflammatory uh, osteoarthritis. That's the kind where you have those bumps called Heberden's nodes uh, at the at the end of your finger there. You, you know you've seen people with these. And uh, she kept coming back and saying, you've got to do something with this arthritis. I said, well, you know, I put you on uh, naproxen and stomach protector, and that that fixed it. So what's going on? It doesn't work anymore. Uh, I said, "Uh uh-oh, something's going on. So I got a uric acid on her, and it was elevated. So then I put put that little finger to sleep, tapped it, and doggone if it wasn't gout that she was having in her fingers. So you got to watch for that as well. Hey, we'll tell you lots of other things if you give us a call at one 672 whether it be gout or essential tremor, you want to know more about that or whatever, give us a call. We have open lines. Let's go to Memphis and Kay. Hey, Kay. Hey, we missed you. Where was I? Well, you weren't on the radio. <laughs> <laughs> well, occasionally, occasionally something comes up I have to do, and it was a family thing, and everything's fine, but thank you for missing me. Dr. Yeah. <laughs> Brodell is such a fantastic dermatologist uh, that I thought it would be good to have him on last week to uh, oh, give you the I latest enjoy, and greatest. I enjoy every medical program that's on the radio because, you know, I'm no uh, medical social worker. Mm. But anyway, I'm always my Okay, you're getting a okay, okay. Listen oh, oh, I'm, to me. I'm, I'm, so, I'm sorry. Yeah. I know what I did. I know yeah, what you I did. got a little bit a little bit far away from yeah, the Yeah, I got thing. my finger in the way of the speaker. It's in a weird place on this phone. Okay, good. Anyway, when I went into my appointment, he was at his desk in that sort of hallway, and I put down the little magazine. I said, now, here's your competition. <laughs> what magazine was it? The fine-tuning. Oh, good. Good. That's a good thing. <laughs> and he just left, but he was interested in the program and interested in you. Uh-huh. See, I'm really fortunate to have a good cardiologist and that nurse practitioner. She's a doll. Okay, that's out of the way. I have two situations. One is I'm now the proud wearer of a 30-day heart monitor. All right. <laughs> that's a real status symbol. You have reached maturity. (laughs) I have worn 20 day ones before, but this is 30. And I said, man, you can get this stuff. I within the first day. He said, no, I don't want an artificial one. I want one that just comes naturally. So the natural is I walk too much. That's that's natural. But anyway, they did get an AC up. You got your finger over the thing again. Oh, I need to cut off. No, you don't. You just need to move it. <laughs> okay. All right. So you got the monitor. So what's going on? Okay. He got uh, finally got an ACL, but I didn't even know I had. Uh huh. And so he called and wanted to put me on blood thinner. On, on what? Blood thinner. Yeah. And he, when I went to get the prescription, they don't have a generic. It was two hundred dollars. I said, forget it. Yeah, what was it, Rivaroxaban or one of those, or which one yes, was? Yes, uh, uh-huh. but I talked to the to the pharmacist, and she said, "Well, there's a couple of other things that your doctor might do." So I want to know what what are alternative. I have an appointment next Tuesday. Okay. Well, I mean, let me just tell you what uh, what uh, I, I I this I understand. This is an everyday deal. Uh, traditionally, we have. <clears throat> um, treated atrial fibrillation um, after we've excluded the presence of hyperthyroidism or some easily fixable uh, problem. So we usually get thyroid functions and 
an echo to make sure you don't have a valve problem that's causing this. After you've had that done, the treatment for a thousand years has been Coumadin, which is warfarin, which is rat poison. Uh, it basically uh, was developed first as a rat poison to make rats bleed to death, and it works real well and still used uh, uh, for a rat poison. And then it was uh, worked on and uh, found that it was an excellent anticoagulant in humans. The only problem is is that the levels go up and down depending on what you eat. In particular, anything green, uh, which we encourage everybody to eat, can really whap it out, spinach or greens and stuff like that. And you can't be in Memphis long if you don't eat greens because they run you out of town. So uh, if you eat a lot of greens, uh, we would automatically put you on one of the new uh, uh, oral anticoagulants, and they are marvelous because— uh, they they first of all they're easier to take. You don't have to go in frequently to have your uh, blood uh, test to check on um, the levels of the coumadin you need to be on. So you have to get a pro time INR uh, test. Uh, that's the magic name for it. Pro time INR, uh, and it has to be between certain levels uh, to work in with. Coumadin. Well, you don't have to do that with these expensive new drugs, and the bleeding frequency is less. So uh, let me tell you, there is a huge difference in price between these drugs and uh, even a more large uh, uh, price difference between pharmacies. So you need to go to uh, goodrx.com or get somebody to do it for you. And that's a, uh, a free program that allows you to uh, check the cost of a drug that you've been given at all the pharmacies around you. So that would give you an opportunity to see that this drugstore has a copay of $5 while another one has a copay of $200. So you can check that. And uh, But what I would do first is uh, go ahead and call his nurse practitioner and tell her that this is too much and ask her uh, if that is the cheapest one in your area and with your drug plan, whatever it is, and uh, if not, there are several others in the same general class, some of which are, are, are cheaper. Eloquist is what most people are getting now because it seems to be the best of the lot. But there are lots of other ones uh, that uh, can be used as well. So, uh, A, call the nurse practitioner. Uh, she can probably tell you off the top of her head. Uh, which one is the cheapest and best and where to get it. If not, get somebody, or if you're computer uh, uh, fancy, uh, get uh, look up goodrx.com, put in your zip code and the drug, and they will tell you how much it costs. So that's uh, hopefully that's enough. Okay, if not, send me an email. I'm at southernremedy.mpbonline.org, and I do respond. And we, we appreciate your call and the nice things you said. Uh, about our program, and we're glad you're listening regularly. And we wish you best with getting your your on your anticoagulant. That's important because that prevents strokes. What happens when you have atrial fibrillation is blood clots get up in your atrium, uh, which is the receiving cha- uh, chamber of blood from your heart, and go up to your brain. You end up with a stroke, and you don't want that. But the big thing you got to worry about when you're on anticoagulants is fall prevention. We've already Started talking about that, and if people want to know, we'll talk about it some more. So there you go. Thank you very much. Let's go to Beaumont and Sue. Hey, Sue. Hi, how are you? Uh, I, I, I'm in the store. It's noisy. I'll be as quick as possible. Which I'm store are you in? I'm in Greer's in Beaumont. Oh, you got they, they want you to stay there all the time where they can sell you some more uh, food. I'm in here all the time. So Yeah, yeah they have a deli, too, don't they? No, they don't. Oh, they don't. Well, that's good. That means you're not going to get any fried food out of there. But uh, I see everybody I know at the store. It's the social life around town, you know, come to the store. But anyway, <laughs> I, 
I want I want to ask you what causes an elderly person's skin to get torn. My daughter's dog jumped on me and tore my is is nails tore my skin on my arm and I, I've never had that problem. I've got real nice skin. Yeah. So what what makes an older person's skin so, so delicate that it bruises and gets scratched up so quick? I'm an expert on that. I have uh, I I'm old and I have a German Shepherd dog. Uh, so I, I know about getting your skin ripped off. In fact, as you get older, when you bump your skin on the doorknob or going in and out of the door or picking up stuff, you just get these big uh, hematomas, these big bleeding under your skin, if you're lucky, and uh, these blue spots. And if you are unlucky, you rip the skin off, which is what's happening to you. And uh, this, is, this is caused by uh, a problem with the elastic stuff called elastin and the collagen uh, stuff, which is uh, called collagen, uh, that holds your skin together. It wears out, and you don't make enough of it, and it was stuff that you made that's no good. So you can't fix it. But you can live with it, and here's what you need to do. Number one, you need to keep your skin healthy. As you get older, your skin dries out. So if you will use a moisturizer, and I'm not talking about any expensive branded stuff. I'm talking to you about whatever the drugstore has that you like in a big one-pound jar that says skin moisturizer. They'll have five or six different generic brands, and uh, just... uh, Uh, sneak around and look and see which one looks the best when you open it up. And uh, most people do not like the one I like the best, which is called Aquaphor, because it's just Vaseline petroleum jelly in a big jar, uh, and it's greasy. Most people like Eucerin, E-U-C-E-R-I-N, or if you've got a lot of money to spend, uh, CeraVe, I don't CeraVe is the way they say it. I like it CeraVe because it rhymes with hay, but it's V that rhymes with me. So CeraVe uh, is uh, is uh, the most uh, acceptable and culturally appropriate one right now. There are fads in these moisturizers. If you use that after every bath and always at night, your skin gets re-moisturized and it doesn't tear uh, as easily. If you're having recurrent problems, you need to go to a big box store, and the one that I know has these is Lowe's, and get yourself some um, gardening gloves. But I'm not talking about the regular ones. I'm talking about the Rose Garden gloves. They are leather, and they go almost to your elbow. And they are very good in preventing uh, injury when you're lifting things, when you're gardening, uh, when you're cleaning the house and so forth, and once you, and they're very soft and they feel great, and once you get to using them, uh, you won't feel crazy uh, about doing it because they protect you so well. So that's the best I can do. And the, there is uh, uh, everybody's taking aspirin now, and the aspirin uh, makes the uh, bleeding problem worse when you have older skin. So that's the story. Sue, is that what you needed? Yes, sir. Thank you very much. Well, they probably got some in your, in Greer's, uh, but it'd probably be retail, so you want to shop. Okay. I just lost my endorsement from Greer's. Uh, I'm sorry, Greer's. Uh, let's go to your house. If you give us a call at one eight seven seven six seven two. 7464. Maybe Greer's does have a generic moisturizer. Uh, hadn't been in there lately. Uh, and I probably better not go close after saying that. Let's go to your house if you give us a call. And we have open lines. Uh, but let's go to Ron in Tupelo. Hey, Ron. Hey, Dr. Rick. Um, before I get to my question, um, my dermatologist recommended CeraVe. Uh-huh. And Walmart has, I think it's a 12-ounce jar for nine ninety seven, so that's kind of reasonable. Yeah, and it yeah. really goes in good, doesn't it? 
It, it does. It really does. Now, my question for you, I want to pick your brains again. I do this occasionally. It helps uh, justify my sustaining membership. Um, <laughs> Thank you. Please. <laughs> and send us your car. You know, we're taking cars now. In addition to your sustaining membership, we will take your car, motorcycle, or anything else that you own. Just give us a call. All right. Well, I, I'll see if my tricycle still use it. Okay. Um, I, I want to talk to you. Over the years, my wife has told me that I've had occasional restless leg syndrome. Mm-hmm. And um, since I hit 65, it has gotten really bad, and I am tired of sleeping on the sofa. Mm-hmm. Um, I have read different things. I've gone to the RLS Foundation website. They highly recommend a, a very low-dose opioid or um, something anti-anxiolytic um, like Xanax or something. But, you know, going to the doctor and getting a prescription for that, is chances are slim to none. Um, anything um, over-the-counter or anything lifestyle-wise you can use to reduce RLS? Mm-hmm. So... Um the big question that we have uh, with people that have restless leg syndrome, which is a condition where you can't stop moving your legs uh, and your feet, and sometimes they wake you uh, wake you up in the middle of the night, is whether you have another syndrome that's associated with it, uh, which is um, one where you basically thrash around. Um, and uh, can hit your wife. It's it's called periodic leg movement syndrome, and it's part of it. And uh, there there are some additional syndromes with it. So I uh, do thrash around. I've I've not yet hit my wife. Okay. Well, just know around. that you can do that. Uh, yeah. Now, the first thing that needs to be done is uh, to check a ferritin level. F e r r i t i n. That's iron. an iron thing. And you can take uh, you can take uh, some iron replacement, uh, but uh, you know if that is low, and sometimes that is helpful. Sometimes people will just take a little bit of iron supplement themselves and see if that makes a difference. That's one thing that you can do. And um, but men are not supposed to be iron deficient, and if they have iron deficiency. It, they may have an ulcer or colon polyp or colon cancer. So we usually, before we recommend this, want to make sure that their blood count is normal. But iron is one thing that you can can do. Uh, in, in, in just over-the-counter, ferrous sulfate, 325 milligrams a day is uh, for a trial of a week or so. Uh, if you uh, get that, a lot of people will take vitamin C, somewhere around 100 milligrams with it, which increases its absorption. So that's that's one thing. Secondly, uh, the other thing that you can do is anything that you know aggravates it, uh, like alcohol or other things, uh, that can reduce it. Caffeine in particular can make it worse. Uh, exercise seems to be helpful in some people, but most people end up having to get on some kind of uh, medicine for this. And uh, actually, uh, things like uh, antihistamines in sleep preparations can, this Benadryl is the primary thing that makes you sleepy with most of them, can make this worse. So you need to make sure that you're not on any uh, medicines like uh, Benadryl, some of the tricyclic antidepressants, or some of the serotonin reuptake inhibitors, and antidepressants commonly like Prozac, can also uh, make it worse. So if you're on any of that, uh, bupropion is a better choice and doesn't seem to to uh, cause it. So I, I'll just tell you, I never use benzodiazepines like Ativan or other. Uh, I never use opiates for this as a first-line therapy. Those are drugs with lots of complications and can be habituating. They do work, uh, but they're not the first choice. And what I usually use first 
is Narantan, uh, which is not approved for use for this uh, indication, but is very safe uh, and uh, and works in a lot of people. You just take it right before dinner. I mean, right before you go to bed and right after dinner, and that usually uh, gets rid of it. If that doesn't work, then one of the anti-Parkinsonian drugs would be the next choice. They all have funny names like uh, uh, Ropinerol or uh, so forth, but your doctor has to prescribe those, and that would be the second choice. And... uh, but I would I would start with gabapentin, which is really safe. 150 milligrams is a prescription, uh, is is really about the right dose, and it is uh, uh, gabapentin. I'm sorry, I gave you the dose for uh, for uh, uh, Lyrica, which is more expensive. I would try gabapentin. Either one, they're both the same family. Gabapentin or which is Neurontin or pregabalin, which is Lyrica. The Lyrica dose, uh, I was just looking up here because I don't use that much because it costs more, uh, is 300 milligrams a day. The gabapentin, you can start at 100 milligrams, but the usual dose that's effective for restless leg is around 700 milligrams. It comes in 300 milligram tablets, and uh, I usually give people uh, 300 milligrams, tell them take one, two, or three at bedtime, whatever works. Uh, and go from there. Uh, some people that are small, I started 100 milligrams and work up from there. So that would be my recommendation for you, would be to ask your doctor for a prescription for Neurontin if you haven't used that already. How's that? Okay. All right. Um, my my multivitamin I take, you know, it's for men, and it does not have iron in it. Uh, so I, I might try a multivitamin. Have you had a colonoscopy? Not lately, no. Uh, okay. Well, within the last 10 years? Oh, it's been about 10, yeah. Okay. Well, I'd get my colonoscopy first before I started fiddling around with iron or at okay. least a stool for blood. You know, we have this new stool check now that's really good. for right. uh And I just don't want men to get on iron without knowing they don't have colon cancer. It's so doggone, uh, doggone common now. It's amazing. I went. I had my uh, colonoscopy uh, the other day, and I ended up having seven polyps, and uh, wow. I never had them before. And I, you know, I was I'm old enough that I probably could stop having it, but I'm glad I didn't. So uh, you know, you just got to make sure that you don't have that because that's a bomb waiting to go off uh, if you keep them long enough. So. One more quick one. Uh, what is Neurotin usually on label prescribed for? Uh, it's an anti-seizure uh, medicine, okay. and uh, and it's also on label. That's what it's for. It's also used for people with peripheral neuropathy, uh, okay. off-label. It's uh-huh. one of the most commonly prescribed drugs, and it's generic. So it's dirt cheap. And uh, it has very, very few side effects, especially if it's given a single dose at bedtime. So that would be right. that'd well, be listen, my I first choice. I, this, I think I got this month's um, membership contribution already. Send that in immediately. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Great to hear from you. Let's Thank go you. to – my pleasure. Let's go to Jackson. And is it Hubert? Are you Hubert? Yes. Hey, good to hear from you. I am taking, uh, or I have been taking biotin, 5,000 micromilligrams, and uh, I've read <coughs> lately that it's uh, biotin causes uh, problems with test results on certain tests. Yeah. Uh, which, and is there a, a smaller dose of micro of biotin I can take? It's done, it's done wonders for strengthening my fingernails. Oh, good. Well, I hate uh, to give it up. Well, actually, the data on it is I took it, didn't do a doggone thing. Uh, But some people it works and some people it doesn't. And I don't understand what the deal is, Uh, but it's certainly worth uh, trying. And uh, most people who have bad nails, the problem is not fungus. It's just dry nails. And Vicks Vapor Rub is what I use first. 
and it's a wonder drug. You just rub it on your fingernails at night every night. It smells good. And if your nose is blocked up, you can sniff your fingernails and opens your nose up because there's menthol in it. And uh, so I'm a big supporter of that. I have no stock in Vicks Vapor Rub whatsoever. If you have some and you want to send it to me, I'll take it. Uh, well, so, my, my problem has not been uh, dry nails. It's just they're weak. Oh, they just break off. They break off. Well, it works for that, too. But anyway, biotin is fine. And what I would suggest, there are certain blood tests. Are you, are you having regular blood tests for some medicine toxicity screening? Is that yes, the problem? Well, I'm taking uh, various heart medicines and so forth. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And I'm also on Humira. Yeah, a good uh, drug. For, uh, for psoriasis. Yeah. A great, yeah. Uh, a great drug, right. Uh, so listen, do, do uh, has your doctor asked you not to use it? No, uh, I just heard it on radio on the TV. Well, I'm if you're in a bulletin, really. okay, let me just tell you what happens. We when we order blood tests now, we get a report out that says whether or not this particular test is affected by that particular chemical. And what I would do if it's working is not quit using it. I just call the nurse at the doctor's office and ask him to check and see all he has all she has to do is call the department of pathology at the hospital and if any of the tests that they run with their machines is a, that he's ordered or affected by this and if you want to cut to the chase you can call the lab yourself you can call the lab at the outpatient clinic or the hospital and talk to the lab director and say, uh, you're so-and-so's patient, you're having your blood count and your uh, chemical profile and your pro time or whatever it is, He's having you're, you're having um, just blood counts, basically, uh, and ask them if any of them are affected by biotin, and, uh, and probably most of them you're having are not. So uh, that might be an even a quicker way because the nurse might forget. What about that? That sounds good. Thank you. Good to talk to you. Bye. All right. Let's go to Jackson and Jennifer. You folks are waiting late in the day to call. I told you so, so I may not get to everybody's call, but I'm going to rush. Hey, Jennifer, what's going on with your eczema? Hey, thank you for taking my call. My pleasure. Um, it is driving me insane. It's I, I've got it, too. I've got everybody's disease. I've got it God. too, so I know. So, where are you sure it's eczema? Well, mostly sure. Well, so where um, is it? It's mainly right now. It's on my feet. Uh huh. And we've ruled out. We've ruled out everything. We've ruled out everything from athlete's foot to fungus. Um, it's the kind. This you'll have to help promote the pronunciation. Dishydrosis. Okay, thank you. It has it little blisters with little it. Blisters. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. It's it, a, It's gotten to the point where you know I'd love to go to the movie with you, but I have to go home and scratch my feet. I got you. I got you. And have you already tried clobetazole on it, the very strong steroid? Um, I'm not sure that was the name of it. I know I was put on steroid for a little bit for it. Okay, the treatment and it, and it, for god awful dyshidrosis. Uh, the the standard treatment is a topical steroid that is generic called clobetazole, C-L-O-B-E-T-A-S-O-L. It uh, used to be real expensive, and now that it's gone generic, it's, it's still expensive, but it's less so. And uh, what you use is you apply that topically. You can get it in a gel where it, uh, it doesn't, you don't slip your, when you put it on your feet. And uh, you can use it two or three times a day until that comes under control and then back off. But you ought to be using a, uh, a, a weaker steroid, triamcinolone, uh, on a regular basis uh, to keep it under control because it can get infected if you scratch it all the time. And then you have staph in it, and that makes it worse. So uh, I would call your doctor and or your nurse practitioner, whoever's treating it, and if it's uh, palms and soles and little blisters, it's usually dyshydrosis, which is a a form of eczema. It's a weird form, <clears throat> and um and try that. If not, we have a new biologic for eczema. 
uh, a new injectable biologic that's really quite effective. So, uh, but we usually wouldn't use it uh, on uh, isolated places like that. We usually use it on people with traditional atopic dermatitis. But uh, do do that, and let's go from there. And if you if I didn't give you enough, send me an email. I'm trying to get to another call, but that clobetazole ought to fix it. You can't use it forever because it's very strong. So you have to use it till you get it under control, and then use the triamcinolone uh, after that. Hey, uh, thanks, Jennifer. Appreciate your call. Let's go to Kenny and Car. Is it Carrier or Carrier? I never say it right. Uh, carrier. Oh, I, I didn't, uh, Carrier. Yeah, carrier sounds nothing like what it's spelled. Who came uh, up with that pronunciation? What is what does that mean? That's a Mississippi pronunciation of a French word. Oh, okay, good. Now I, I got it. Now, all right, good. <laughs> that means it's correct. I'm sticking with it. What's your question? Right. Uh, my wife is on an ACE inhibitor for blood pressure. Yep. She's on her third uh, version of an ACE inhibitor. Uh, she has the ACE induced cough. Yep. With this particular version. Uh, we've weaned her down. Uh, she's been off of it since Sunday. Mm-hmm. So that's Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Days are going on the fourth day. The cough has gotten better as far as intensity, but the frequency is about the same. Yeah. Uh, what's a good alternative uh, to an ACE inhibitor to control her blood pressure? She's running into one sixty-one. Yeah, yeah. I got you. Systolic. The, the thing that we do is if you have this ACE-induced cough, it is on all ACEs. So right. you don't try two or three of them. What you do next is a, try an ARB, A-R-B. That's a different, that's a sister drug, but it has all the same good effects that the ACE does uh, in preventing heart attacks and so forth, other complications of hypertension. And uh, I, I wonder if the drug that he put her on or she put her on, whoever the doctor was, was actually an ARB because a small percentage of people who have ACE-induced cough have an ARB-induced cough, but that's unusual. So what you need to do is to make sure that the person uh, has given her an ARB uh, medicine and there are a whole bunch of them available. Um, and uh, so let me just see if I can find a generic for you while I'm talking here. Um, and uh, so so that would be the thing. And she needs uh, some albuterol, a meter dose inhaler. That usually gets rid of the, uh, uh, w- of the whole thing, uh, if you uh, will, uh, you know, Help her because she doesn't need to be coughing. She's gonna break a rib or something. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Right. What what she's coming off of now is the Norvasc. Norvasc is neither. That's a calcium channel blocker. It doesn't usually cause cough. There's some confusion here. You need to call your doctor up and find out what's going on. She shouldn't have gotten a cough with uh, Norvasc. So, or send me an email. Hey, I'm Doctor Rick DeShazo. Uh, It's been a pleasure to be here with uh, Kevin Farrell, the famous uh, host, and uh, our producer, Jay White, who's infamous. And uh, we've enjoyed being with you, and we'll be back the same time, same place next week. And if we didn't get to your question, send us an email. It's been great visiting with you. This is MPB Think Radio, Mississippi Public Broadcasting.